Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Da bist du dritte, unsere Jahre ihr Best und Geben. Und wenn wir in der Malle dem Nähe ist, alle weg von der Welt in Schön. Ich war der Chesame, ich war schon Leum. Ei, ei, ei.
Shabbat <laughs> 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 
Excuse me, J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, and of course the uh, Lael Shabbat medley done by uh, Micha Gammerman. <sighs> Before that, you heard the um, Shirley Green selection, Me'ain Alam Haba, Hakolotova from Yoni Z, Ellie Marcus, a couple of brand new ones, Shevach and Hashemos. Shalom Berenholtz with Shmatz Hilasi, Bom Mashiach, and Shalom Aleichem from Isaac and Rubenstein. We're going to speak with them on, is it Monday? Either Monday or Tuesday of next week. I think Tuesday. We're going to be speaking with them here at JM and the AM. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday. It's Erev Shabbos here at JM and the AM. And... Um, Let's see what we have here. Today is the second day of June, day number 13 in the month of Sivan. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Nusso. Candle lighting in New York is 8.01. 8.01 is candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And uh, Sunday is the Celebrate Israel Parade in New York City. Sunday is the Celebrate Israel Parade, 5th Avenue, in New York City, we're going to be broadcasting courtesy of the Rothenberg Law Firm, who are presenting our our broadcast this coming Sunday. You can catch all the action on the homepage of NahumSiegel.com. That's where the live video will be embedded. So you can catch that. And um, we'll have the audio on the NSN app. You'll be able to comment on the app. We just have to make sure to actually read the comments this year. <laughs> <laughs> which we are planning on doing at some point. And uh, the broadcast will go from around 11 o'clock until 3 p.m. or around 3 p.m. until the end of the parade on Sunday. Now, the weather forecast, which had been somewhat downgraded, if you will, over the last couple of days, wasn't happy with the, with, with the trend. I was not happy with the trend for Sunday's weather. Not happy at all, but now it seems to have improved somewhat. Uh, now they are calling for, let's see here. Now they're calling for, let's see, today it's um, a high, sunshine and a high of 86. Uh, maybe some thunderstorms this afternoon. And then tonight, a low of 61. Tomorrow, Shabbos. Clouds and sun and a high of 69. It's it's going to get pretty chilly tomorrow. And then Sunday, here's the good news. Now they, they've, they've gone from partly cloudy to mostly sunny. Gosh, I hope this happens. 
Uh, mostly sunny, 75. Can't really... Co- if that's the way it's going to end up, can't really complain. Mostly sunny, 75 would be amazing. And it would be ironic as we celebrate Israel's 75th anniversary if we have a high of 75 degrees. So the Celebrate Israel Parade officially... Sunday, 11 a.m., 57th Street to 74th Street on 5th Avenue. Again, 57th Street to 74th Street on 5th Avenue. It's the 58th annual Celebrate Israel Parade. I remember as a kid being at the 8th annual. This is the 58th annual. The world's largest gathering in celebration of Israel. Project of the JCRC of New York, the Jewish Community Relations Council of New York, and I'm going to give them a special shout-out. Uh, because they really have been uh, extreme. I mean, over the last many years, they've been extremely uh, kind to us and we to them in terms of our broadcast from there. Um, so that's the story. Uh, you could ce- you go to celebrateisraelny.org on Facebook, Celebrate Israel Parade, on Twitter, at Celebrate Israel. And uh, the parade is a beautiful logo, by the way, for 75. Beautiful logo for 75. And let's hope that the parade is going to remain a, you know, a political demonstration of support for Israel. Let's hope. I don't know if I have that much. I don't know if this year's parade holds that much promise for that. Because there's a um, undercurrent, and we'll probably talk about this during the weekly update. There's an undercurrent of uh, protest against the Israeli government. Uh, but let's see what happens. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, to make it through without any difficulties, with peacefulness, and in a completely celebratory atmosphere. Please, God. And kudos to the Jewish Community Relations Council of New York for putting together the 58th annual Celebrate Israel Parade on this, the 75th birthday of the State of Israel. Um... Yes, I guess the parade started right before the Six-Day War, right? If this is the 58th annual, um, we just celebrated, what, 56 years of the unification of Jerusalem, right? Yes, I guess it started in 1965. Well, pretty cool. A lot of members of Knesset are going to be at the parade. whole list was published by the Jerusalem Post yesterday. That should be interesting. And they will likely run the gamut of... uh, political figures and political opinions in Israel. That should be interesting. Uh, So we shall see. We shall see. Getting ready for Sunday. Thanks to the Rothenberg Law Firm. Again, we're going to be broadcasting from the parade 65th and 5th. Say hi as you go by. And um, it should be a lot of fun. Parades always are. Should be a lot of fun. More coming up. Kobe Brummer is next. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. with Eitan Katz dropping up the hour. The uh, Ms. Marla Dovin and before that, Los Sevoshi. Kobe Brummer with Farios here at J.M. and the A.M. And um, welcome to a Friday, second day of June, day number third. Excuse me, day number 13 in the month of uh, Sivan. The year 5783, Tufshin Pei Gimel. Erev Shabbos Nuss. So I know. I know, in Israel, it's Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Baloscha. I know. Believe me, I know. <laughs> oh, believe me, I know. In fact, I really should check. Since I was on the road so much yesterday, I didn't really get a chance to check if everybody ever had gotten back to me um, by email, but I will check because I, I did ask him for clarification on the whole. Oh, here it is, yeah. Um... Okay, I have to study this and see exactly what he says. Anyway, yes, Baloschad Israel, Nusso outside of Israel, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world of web, at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galit Sal in the background, to our news from Israel coming up. Celebrate Israel Parade is Sunday on 5th Avenue from 57th Street to 74th Street. That is a total of 17 blocks of 5th Avenue dedicated to celebrating Israel. We'll be there on 65th and 5th. Wave as you walk by if you're marching. Uh, we'll be broadcasting from there again uh, starting at about 11 a.m. Eastern Time until the end of the parade. 5th Avenue between 57th and 74th Street in New York City. It's supposed to be great weather. It's, it's been back and forth all week in terms of what Sunday's weather would be like. Now it's really, really on the positive side. So bring the family, bring the children, bring the grandchildren, bring the parents, bring the grandparents, bring them all. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from Jam the Am. Galitzal, Shashtayn Shalom Rav, Baulpan Eran Kurtzim, Mashikore Achshab. Pigay Mezega Avir. בחולון נשאה כבת שישים הותרה במצב בינוני כתוצאה ממכת חום. צוות מגן דוד אדום פינה אותה לבית החולים וולפסון בעיר כשהיא מעורפלת הקרה. כתבתנו יערה אברהם מוסיפה כי האישה נמצאה שוכבת על אי-תנועה ואזרחים שהיו במקום דיווחו על המקרה למוקדי החירום. סמוך לבית שמש הוזנקו שלושה מטוסי כיבוי לשרפת חורס סמוך למושב טל שחר. אין נפגעים או סכנה לבתי היישוב. 
צוותי כבאות והצלה פועלים במקום. בשעה זו נמדדות טמפרטורות חריגות ברוב אזורי הארץ, בין היתר נמדדו יותר מ-46 מעלות במספר יישובים באזור עמק המעיינות וצפון הערבה. פרשת עבירות מין מזעזעת בבית שמש. שני צעירים בני 17 תושבי העיר נעצרו בחשד שאנסו פעוטה בת שנתיים וחצי וביצעו בה מעשי סדום באתר בנייה בעיר. אחד הנערים החשודים, קרוב משפחה של הפעוטה, התלונן בתחנת המשטרה על הנער השני וכך חשף בפני החוקר את המעשים. כתבתנו נועה ברנס מוסיפה כי החשודים ביצעו את המעשים במקרים שונים במשך כשנה וחצי מאז שהפעוטה הייתה בת שנתיים וחצי ועד גיל ארבע. בפרקליטות צפויים להגיש נגדם כתב אישום בימים הקרובים. תאונות הדרכים, גבר כבן 26 נפצע קשה כשנפגע מרכב בעת שרכב על אופנוע ברמת גן. צוות מגן דוד אדום פינה אותו לבית החולים שיבא, תל השומר, כשהוא סובל מפגיעה רב-מערכתית. ארגון המורים הודיע כי האיסור לקיים את מסיבות הסיום של תלמידי כיתות י"ב עקב העיצומים מבוטל והמסיבות תתקיימנה כמתוכנן. במכתב ששלח רן ארז למנכ"ל משרד החינוך ולשר האוצר הבהיר ארז שמדובר במחווה של רצון טוב ואיים כי לא יהסס לשבש את פניחת שנת הלימודים הבאה אם לא ייחתם הסכם ראוי. כתבתנו לענייני חינוך יובל מילר מציינת כי לפני מספר ימים בית הדין לעבודה לא קיבל את בקשת השלטון המקומי לצווי מניעה נגד השיבושים בהכנות למסעות לפולין ועל כן ההכנות ועיצומים נוספים כמו האיסור לחלק ציונים וקיום פעילויות חוץ ספריות עדיין בתוקף בתיכונים לוחם סיירת גבעתי שנפצע הלילה קל בפיגוע הירי סמוך לשבי שומרון שוחרר לפני זמן קצר מבית החולים. כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש מוסר שהלוחם נפגע מרסיס ברגלו סמוך לכפר הפלסטיני דיר שרף שמדרום לשבי שומרון. הכוח השיב באש לעבר מקור הירי מעומק העיר שכם. מזג האוויר שרב כבד ברוב אזורי הארץ, בשירות המטאורולוגי מזהירים מהתייבשות ומכות חום וממליצים לשמור על סביבה מוגנת וממוזגת. בנוסף מומלץ שבני משפחה ושכנים יבדקו את שלומם של אנשים מבוגרים. אלה החדשות.
J.M. in the A.M. Yisachar Drawer and Company with uh, Bowie Kala. Friday morning broadcast here at J.M. in the A.M. And thanks for joining us, everybody. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Um, Sunday is parade day. Thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com, for presenting our coverage of the Celebrate Israel Parade on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Uh, we are encouraging everybody, especially with the weather expected, we are encouraging everybody to be there on Fifth Avenue between 57th and 74th Streets in New York from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. Um, it would be wonderful to see the streets of New York, or at least Fifth Avenue, be filled with supporters of Israel and people celebrating Israel. So uh, it's 75. Remember how uh, the parade, what year was it? I think 70, right? 
If I'm not mistaken, 70, it was, there was a noticeable increase on the streets and sidewalks of participants. There was quite a, I know it's hard to remember pre-COVID and everything, uh, but there was a whole, you know, wonderful atmosphere uh, that surrounded the 70th birthday of the state of Israel. Now that we're at 75, let's do that again. Let's bring people out, especially those who, you know, may not always prefer to spend their Sunday in New York with a parade. Uh, but 75, I hope, is more meaningful to those and to everybody um, as you consider the fact that now Israel celebrates its 75th anniversary, its 75th birthday. So that's this coming Sunday. Again, a special uh, thank you to the JCRC, Jewish Community Relations Council of New York. Um, it is only with their cooperation that we're able to actually be there and plant ourselves in an amazing spot on Fifth Avenue and speak to everybody around the world. So a big thank you to JCRC. And a big thank you to um, to our amazing staff and everybody who's going to be bringing all the action to you on Sunday. And you can feel free at... Uh, excuse me. You can feel free during the parade as we broadcast to comment on the app and be in touch with us via that method this year we actually hope to <laughs> check the app comments <laughs> and and use them to interact with our audience <laughs> that's our intention at least <laughs> hopefully hopefully this year we'll actually remember to do so uh so again big thank you to the um, rothenberg law firm injurylawyer.com and a big thank you to everybody involved who's going to be bringing the uh, parade coverage to everybody around the world this coming Sunday. Harry Rothenberg has uh, words to say regarding this week's Parsha. Uh, we dedicate Harry's words to Ruchama Chana Etol Baschava, a Rafur Shlema, for a dear friend that we continue to um, daven for every single day. Again, Ruchama Chana Etol Baschava. Here is Harry Rothenberg with words about this uh, week's Torah portion at JM in the AM. Imagine God had sent you a first draft of this week's Parsha and said, read it, I want to know honestly, what do you think? From a human perspective, you'd read it and without question, you'd say to God, respectfully, I don't even know how to say this, I, I think you can shorten it. You have in here a description of the elements of each offering of the 12 princes. They're all identical. Just give their names and say that on each of the 12 days, each one of the princes brought the following identical offering. You tighten it up, shorten it as God always does. So why does he list the elements of each of the 12 offerings when they're identical? The commentators offer a number of answers. One of them is that each one of the princes, when he brought that same identical offering, had different thoughts in mind, different intentions. And because intentions are what's important, they were not identical at all. Each one was different. And so God listed them differently to teach us that lesson. That intentions or hidden thoughts are what matters. He hears them. And we know that to be true. Imagine you have two people praying right next to each other in a shul, and they're both saying the exact same words, and one of them is concentrating on the words and their meaning, and realizes and reminding himself that he's talking to God, his Father in heaven. He's praising and begging, asking intensely, sincerely. And the other person, while saying the words, is thinking, why can't my baseball team ever get a hit with runners in scoring position? Or, I wonder what they're serving in the cafeteria tonight. They're both saying the same words. But of course those prayers are different. There's a world of difference between them. 
And here's where it gets even more interesting. Forget comparing two people, compare one person. A person gets up in the morning and prays with alacrity, intensely, sincerely, concentrating, and then goes off to work. And it's the middle of the work day and is saying the words of the afternoon prayers, but is thinking about some interaction at work or some work issue. Is not really paying attention to what they're saying. And then it's nighttime goes off to pray the evening prayers, and it's late, says the prayers, but just barely nodding off, not even daydreaming, just barely paying attention at all. Of course those three prayers aren't the same. Same person, same words each time, totally different prayers. And that is why. If you've been praying for a long time, days, weeks, months, years for something, a promotion, a shidduch, the right house, a child, a cure, a recovery, you get frustrated maybe because the answer's been no. Don't give up because each one of those prayers is different. And if you've been working on yourself, then you're different, which means the person saying those same words isn't the same person. So it could well be that God's just waiting for that right combination, the right key, the right portal. That person with that prayer, with that request, that one I'm answering. Don't ever give up. Keep praying intensely, sincerely, with concentration.
queens that wants the place it longs to be. Yerusha lion, yes, I'm flying. Please don't wait for me. The fight is in it. King David, he will play the lion in it. It's our place and we fight to finish. The capital of Judah, lions, listen. Yeah, one people, one state, one truth, one faith. Please come, don't wait. Your home, your state. J.M. and the A.M. with Home done by Yoni Z and Nisim Black together. Benny Friedman's Yama Piscolita was Arye Kunstler, and you're listening to J.M. and the A.M. This coming Sunday, it's a Celebrate Israel Parade on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Make sure to be there. Weather looks great. We're celebrating Israel's 75th. It's this coming Sunday, 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. on Fifth Avenue. The march takes place between 57th and 74th Streets, in New York City. Uh, we'll be there on the 65th Street, west side of 5th Avenue, 65th Street. And we're looking forward to uh, a great broadcast brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. Big thank you to the Rothenberg family from all of us here at JM and the M and the Siegel Network. And we'll speak to you Sunday on what's going to be a very interesting parade day, to say the least, from New York City. Make sure to watch and listen from around the world and join us, uh, unless you're, of course, on Fifth Avenue, 
uh, then you don't have to join us. But frankly, these days, if you have a phone, <laughs> you could you could be at the parade and watch our coverage as well, which is pretty funny. Uh, Malcolm Holine weekly update coming up at 7.40 a.m. Eastern time here at JMNAM. A big shout out to our friends at A&H with a reminder when you go to kosherdogs.net, a 10% discount with promo code radio. A&H is now into serious grilling season, which means when you're looking for an amazing package of hot dogs in so many different varieties, um, sausage, knockwurst, whatever it is you're looking to grill up, A&H has it. Check out the displays in your local supermarkets and, of course, the kosher supermarkets around town. And to get ready to grill, after all, what do you do after the parade Sunday if it's supposed to be good weather? You head home, you fire up the grill, and get ready for an amazing summer barbecue. It's already the month of June. Dads and grads and BBQ are all being celebrated. And uh, the third one, the BBQ, courtesy of our friends at A&H. Check out Abel's and Hyman, all the delicious meat products. Go to kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code radio and try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. And that's an understatement. Candle lighting in New York, 801. Again, candle lighting in New York, 801. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 801, official candle lighting time in New York City. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
This is the niggin that I sang. That I sang at my bar mitzvah. And uh, ever since then, it's the song my father and I sing together often. But this is no exception. I want everybody singing together when we start. All right? Everyone on this side, I can't hear you. Let's go. 
Malachi, <laughs> 
Micha Gammerman with his Shalom Aleichem. Before that, the um, Eitan Katz Ein Aruch off of the Live in Jerusalem volume number three. Friday morning on the second day of uh, June, the day uh, day number 13 in the month of Siva, and the year is 5783, Tough Shin Pei Gimel. time in New York, 801, 801 in New York City. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 801 in New York City. Again, make sure you know when things start where you are, and a lot of synagogues begin early. So again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Sunday is the Celebrate Israel Parade. We encourage everybody to come on out. Bring the children and grandchildren. Bring the parents and grandparents. Bring everybody. It's supposed to be a nice weather day, thank God. That weather forecast has gotten back and forth continuously all week long, driving the staff of the Nahum Siegel Network a little crazy, frankly. Uh, but now they're talking about 75 degrees. Perfect. In honor of the 75th birthday of the state of Israel, they're talking about 75 degrees and mostly sunny skies. So hopefully it will be, in fact, a good weather day. Now that they've taken the rain out of the forecast, and I hope everybody out there comes. Just like at the 70th birthday of the State of Israel, uh, the parade got a major boost. Uh, it was obvious that people felt more connected because of the significant anniversary. I'm hoping now at 75 that everybody will uh, will come on out and really uh, enjoy a fantastic day in New York City. Parade goes from uh, on Fifth Avenue from 57th Street to 74th Street in New York. And um, you get a chance to celebrate the world's largest gathering in celebration of Israel. And um, those of you who are not going to be in the New York, New Jersey area on Sunday, follow us and all the action from 65th Street and 5th Avenue as we broadcast from the parade, courtesy of our friends at the Rothenberg Law Firm at InjuryLawyer.com. We're going to broadcast from 65th and 5th, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and uh, we'll bring you the sights and sounds of what's happening in New York City. Our friends at JewishWorldReview.com have thousands of articles uh, for you to uh, explore before... Uh, Shabbos begins. Actually, our recommendation always is to print out as many as possible so that you can learn more and more about Israel and the Jewish world. Go to jewishworldreview.com and uh, enjoy the experience. And we thank them for the partnership that we have with them. Much appreciated. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. 
Oh, wait a second. I apologize for that. My mistake. There we go. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Again, you're welcome. It's good to be with you. And and I want to give a mazel tov to the Dworkin family, my grandson, Nachum Dworkin, who became a bar mitzvah and is um, a really very special kid and had a wonderful simcha. Mazel tov. And mazel tov to the entire family. And as we always point out, uh, there are so many messages, so many important things that we as grandparents, now I could say that, we as grandparents need to transmit to our grandchildren. And you no doubt, Malcolm, take that very seriously. I think it's the ultimate revenge against the anti-Semites, against the Nazi era when so many of us lost the third generations back or second generation back, and in many cases even first generation back. And now you see how many people... Even you can qualify to be a grandfather now. Imagine that. I'll tell you. They'll take anybody. (laughs) They'll take anybody into this club at this point. There should be a test that you'd have to pass before you go. Yeah, I hear that. Um, All right. So we have a lot to talk about from both sides of the world. And we will begin in a minute with what's happening on this side of the world. But first, we should acknowledge, because people asked me to uh, ask you uh, about... um, uh, the leadership and your relationship, which I assume you had with Harav Gershon Edelstein. I actually did and uh, went to see him with my family. Uh, and he was so gracious and, and warm, uh, a humble man. But to me, uh, I have to say that the pictures of his giving a shear in the hospital just hours before he was nifter before his passing it's the most moving thing you can imagine and you see the determination taking notes and at age 100 i'm sure the number of times he he made a serum on all of shots and and yet he he wrote notes and he had some of the talmidim his long-term students there in the room with him and the others owned by zoom and he delivered this year shortly before he just quietly passed away it's unbelievable. Pretty amazing, uh, to say the least. And um, for those who worry about leadership in the uh, religious community, especially the ultra-Orthodox community of Israel, uh, I, I don't think there's a need to worry. It seems that there are many Torah giants who are qualified to take the mantle of leadership going forward. You can't replace people like him or Rav Steinman's at or Rav Kanievsky's at but Thank God he provides, and each generation gets its leadership. And look, there are, there's more Torah being learned today than any time probably in history. There are more people, and I heard this from Rav Steinman, that's all, who, who lectured somebody about uh, appreciating what Israel offers, that 150,000 or more people are learning full-time in Israel. This has probably never been true in Jewish history. Yeah, it's remarkable. The, the, I mean, this is a topic we could discuss through an entire morning, but uh, the, the point you're making is so well taken. Speaking of Israel and speaking of supporting Israel and keeping it strong, we have an opportunity this Sunday in New York City for the 75th birthday of the State of Israel to take to the streets on Fifth Avenue. Um, it, it's no secret, Malcolm, that uh, that uh, the entire presentation of this year's parade, which, again, kudos to the JCRC of New York and everybody who's associated with the UJA Federation, th- those of us who still feel it's important to have this parade, uh, we have to continuously thank the organizers 
rightfully so. But this one, as so many events in Jewish life recently, seems to be clouded a drop uh, by the uh, prospect of protests. Uh, There are people on both sides of the world, it seems, not just Saturday nights in Israel, uh, who are not happy with the uh, current makeup of the Israeli government. Your uh, assessment of people taking to the streets in New York City, thousands of miles away from Israel, to protest in a foreign country, the Israeli government? Well, first of all, obviously the parade, given all the anti-Israel activity and all those who denounce and get upset, whether it's by a CUNY law school commencement speaker or others attacking Israel, attacking Jewish people, this is a way to go out into the streets and demonstrate. And so many non-Jews come and when they see empty streets, it's it's really depressing and and diminishes the impact of the event. So first of all, I would urge people to come out early, be there when the parade kicks off, so that the streets are full on both sides, and the the outrage that people would come from Israel, the protest leaders, and come here to uh, to bring a domestic issue to the streets of New York and disrupt the parade. And the, the just think if this would be a group of right-wing people, huh. how the media would be all over, or Haredi people or others. But they seem somehow to be very tolerant of it, either because they identify with it or maybe people don't know what they're planning. But they, when I confronted them, they would not say to me that they're not going to disrupt uh, and do a sit down or do other things to to disrupt. So on one side you have Natura Carta, on the other side you're going to have the protesters and, and and other groups. I mean, what if every group that has some sort of a gripe or wants to make a point starts engaging in that kind of activities very shortly? You don't have no parade, and you know the police become have to get involved, and it inevitably leads to bad consequences. I would urge anybody who has influence with the groups involved. To, to use it, to dissuade them from it. <clears throat> they want to carry signs about judicial reform. It's their business. But why why detract from the one demonstration of Jewish unity uh, on the streets of New York and the opportunity to, to show that we, we truly love and appreciate the privilege this generation has to have a vibrant and dynamic Jewish state? It's a unique opportunity on Sunday, and we've debated in the past or at least discussed whether the parade uh, is still necessary at this point or still needs to be presented each and every year. And I don't know. I think you can make an argument every year, depending on the atmosphere, uh, no matter how much things have changed and no matter how different they may be from the past, I think you can make an argument every year that it's important to publicly demonstrate support for Israel. And here's our opportunity to do so, and I hope people take advantage. Someone at the JCRC said to me, you know, there's a float. Sunday uh, of uh, a united front of um, of Brooklyn churches for Israel. Could you imagine how they feel marching up Fifth Avenue, knowing how many people, uh, you know, from the Jewish community are not there to support Israel, are not there at the parade, not to mention, of course, as you said, you know, those who are considering disrupting the parade because of, you know, political points of view. I mean, could you imagine, it reminded me of, you told us, I don't know if it was Clinton or Bush, who was it that once said to you uh, that I don't need to be a bigger Zionist than the people of Israel when there was some issue that they were trying to um, 
to get one of the presidents to to you know be more uh, enthusiastic, yeah, be more pro Israel. Right? <laughs> he said, "I don't have to be a big." That's what I, I feel like the, some of these churches should be saying to us, "I need to be more Zionistic than than the mainstream New York Jews in terms of coming out to demonstrate support for Israel." So that's a, a unique opportunity this coming Sunday to celebrate 70. And I'm hoping the 75 does bring uh, more of a reaction from people. They feel the need to be there. The weather's supposed to be great. As we keep on saying, bring your children and grandchildren. As we keep on saying, bring your parents and grandparents and just make it a demonstration in support of Israel. And I hope, uh, I hope that there are people listening uh, when you just address those who might have connections to those who are thinking of disrupting the parade. I really hope that there are people listening that will take that type of action. You know, in the old days, Malcolm, and, and, and well, the two points I need to make. Number one, you know how a still photograph or a short video, even if a demonstration is 10 seconds, you know how those things today go viral. You know, in the old days, it took time for the photographers to get their cameras out. <laughs> now, in a, in a mo- at a moment's notice, these images are around the world. So that's one of the things that some of these protesters should be thinking about uh, if, if that resonates at all with them. Uh, that's the first thing I would say. These things tend to really go uh, viral almost immediately. And the second thing is, in the old days, Malcolm, and I'm sure you remember this from you know from uh, negotiating with Jewish leaders of all backgrounds. You know, the, 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 one of the negotiating points was always take the protests off the street. We will work behind the scenes. We will do what's possible. We will show that we are, in fact, you know, ready to stand side by side with you, no matter what the issue was, right or left wing. But take the demonstrations off the streets. And very often that worked. I, I could cite examples where it worked. I'm sure you have a million examples where it worked, where you were able to stand up with certain groups and say, I'll be there for your interest, but I need you to get this off the streets, of the, especially here in the United States. And it seems that that tactic doesn't even work anymore. I think that's true. Yeah, unfortunately. On the CUNY thing, you can imagine how many people have asked me to bring this up with you. Um, I need to know your reaction to the reaction. I'm not even sure because I didn't really take a close look at the New York Times this week. I don't know which publications outside of the New York Post made a major deal about the commencement speech. But again, you could give us your reaction about how the media in the United States reacted to it. And then in general, okay, I know a lot of you know members of the Board of Trustees applauded for her. I get the whole thing. They're in a position on stage and all that stuff. But was there any reaction outside of from those who you'd expect uh, to to come out against her, was there any reaction of any significance from those who have influence in the CUNY system? Well, certainly it's not been a sufficient reaction, uh, if, if, if at all. I think the people forget that the taxpayers of New York and New York State pay for CUNY, pay for that woman's education. If she really feels as she does, She's welcome to go back to Yemen if she thinks she'll have a better life there. And to use that platform and then to see the dean applauding at the end of it, and whether it was just an automatic reaction or not, it was certainly a thoughtless reaction. Right. And the, the fact that the New York Post really did does deserve credit for, for uh, being out front and, and exposing this, uh, but the lack of coverage, the lack of of, uh, of um, reaction until very late when many people started to city council, other people started to speak about it. But what are the consequences? The fact that the board of trustees put out a statement saying it's unacceptable, et cetera, but no word of punishment, no word of accountability. 
So it's, you know, it's like a, a minor slap in the face for a major assault. And, you know, think if this had been somebody who made a racist or anti-gay or other kind of speech there on that occasion, what the reaction they would have there would have been huge demonstrations. It'd be burning down CUNY and the funding would have been challenged. And yet there's no consequence. And that's to, to me the, the, the challenge that you have that kind of a bigot and, and racist anti-Semite uh, speaking is and elected by the students who must have known her points of view, or at least many of them did. Uh, and it's not the first time. This is the second time that they had such a this kind of a speaker. Uh, I think that this is really uh, quite outrageous. And I still think we should press for serious consequences that the mayor, the members of the board of, of CUNY, the state, hold them to account as to who was responsible, how it happened, and why there was no preview of the speech. They know what her extremist views were. And especially with the experience of it happening before, this is inexcusable. And I, I think Mayor Adams actually had a, you know, an interesting reaction to it. Um, but but even you know, the statements against NYPD, I don't even I know. I don't even know if NYPD leadership responded to it. The statements against the American military. Does Washington say anything about this when someone goes ahead and and condemns them? And of course, obviously, when it comes to Israel, you know, everyone seems to be silent. But, you know, someone said to me something this week. Someone from Israel said to me something this week when Mayor Tamari was murdered this week by terrorists in Israel. Another, you know, one of the young fathers in this case in Israel. Israel, who was uh, uh, who, who was murdered in this terrorist attack in the in the Shomron. Um, someone said to me, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm becoming sort of, you know, I'm just getting used to these things. Like it's not it, it doesn't affect me nearly as much because I don't know, maybe the volume of the attacks or, you know, just doing, you know, going through all this news cycle surrounding these terror attacks over and over and over. And I'm wondering if we're so inundated now with news about everything and those of us who pay attention to what's being said about Israel, certainly, you know, hear statement and statement and speech and speech after speech speech and speech i'm wondering if we're just becoming numb to the entire thing and that and that as much as you and i and others call for you know more reaction and more anger uh in reaction to speeches like this maybe just you know people are just used to it at this point well we can never become insensitive to these kind of attacks because it's a license to kill to kill jews we saw that the state department this week came out and in testimony and for the senate being pressed on it the Assistant Secretary of State for Near East uh, admitted that uh, they failed on pay to slay, that the Palestinians continue, and they did condemn the policy. But the fact is that they continue to give funding, and they say, but the funding doesn't go to the PA or to the PLO, both of which are designated as terrorist entities in ways, and, and uh, the, the, uh, the Senator Cruz and others really hammered home the message we're paying for the terrorists. So the murderer of Tamimi can stand to make a million dollars more wow. over the lifetime. Uh, his family, because they get a house they, or they get a pension, they get three times what a, a worker for the PA would get. The amount of money is about $300 million a year that goes for pay to slay to, to pay for the terrorists in, in jails or their families if they're killed. Uh so, number one, you cannot become indifferent to it. 
no matter, God forbid, if there are more cases, but this guy's birthday was this week. I think he was 32. Oh. He, he left behind two little children. And the, uh, the reaction, I mean, you don't expect uh, NPR or the New York Times or others to pay much attention to it. And I'm sure Amanapur will say it was a shootout. Yeah. Uh, um, but, you know, we really have to understand that it puts each of us in jeopardy by that. Every one of us. And not just Jews, but non-Jews too. And, and, you, and you see that more and more non-Jews are beginning to react to anti-Semitism because they realize that it's affecting them, that it's going to affect every whole society. And once you unleash these forces of hate, and we have so many important issues going on right now, that it's not just here that you, you don't see uh, the kind of reaction to, to the events that are going on, you know, and, and you see how the mythologies can, you know, gain credence there's a story about the village of Tantura, which is uh, south of Haifa, that goes back to the 1948 war where they claimed that Israel massacred the people. And a guy at the University of Haifa wrote a doctoral thesis, and he did interviews, and he claimed that in interviews the people admitted that they did a massacre. So he was summoned to court, and they played the tapes. The tapes never say it. They oh. deny it. They say the opposite. So he says there was no – now he says there was no massacre. But in the meantime, we have the books, six volumes written about the, quote, Nakba, no mention of a Tantura massacre. They have accounts specifically filed in that year about it, no mention of it. And yet the lie of Tantura continues, and now new charges came out by the PA and by their supporters, again, alleging this. And the world then accepts it without now when you have the overwhelming preponderance of evidence, not just from Israel, but generally from, from the Palestinian side, the Arab side, and the the, the the lies continue. So if we don't repudiate and if we don't stand up with the terrorists, if we don't demand that kind of action, you know, we're only go, uh, giving a license to kill and to, to expand. Yeah. And we, we see how much more people aren't even paying attention to what Iran is doing to, from the floating terror bases that they've now built on these big ships, some of them hundreds of millions of tons and 10 millions of tons, putting missiles on it, aircraft, uh, uh, drones, and other things, and they can have these floating bases from which to attack, and that means including attacking Israel, as they do, they can do from, from Yemen as well. Where, where is the focus? And now there's talk about another deal with releasing 10 billion of the sanction money in, in Iraq and 7 billion that, that South Korea is holding. It shouldn't even be on the table. There should be no consideration at a time, not only what they're doing in Ukraine, what they're doing in every other aspect, but Iran has been expanding, violating the agreements with the IEA. And this week there's a meeting of the International Atomic Energy Agency. I know people may be tired of hearing it, but we are seeing them move closer and closer. They have a record amount of enriched uranium, 114 kilograms, enough for two bombs. They enriched to 83.7%. We have, I mean, I'm just giving one example of one aspect of what they're doing. To And, and the IEA, the International Atomic Energy, closed two of the inquiries based on the information Israel provided, where they found traces of highly enriched uranium in these places. Somehow, all of a sudden, those investigations are now closed. So we're seeing things that will jeopardize the whole region and ultimately the whole world. Iran is expanding its naval capacities. You know, they, they, the fact that they could circumnavigate the world and go to Venezuela and end up back now in Oman, going through the Panama Canal, 
This is a direct challenge, and they they're boasting of it, rightfully so, I think. That that uh, and then they attack two more ships in the Persian Gulf, and the UAE now pulls out of of its navy, pulls out of the core cooperation uh, group with the other navies because they say, look, you don't respond to this. This is what happens. I mean, so I'm saying you cannot afford indifference because it only multiplies and endangers more and more. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSegal.com on the NahumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Parade is Sunday in, is- in-, in Israel on Fifth Avenue, Fifth Avenue, New York City. We can't encourage you enough to be there. Thanks to the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com, for sponsoring our coverage of the parade this coming Sunday, beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Is that a direct insult to the uh, insult? Is that a direct statement or action toward the United States when the UAE decides, you know, we're not getting involved or we're stopping our involvement in trying to stop Iran? Uh, is, is is that complaint directed at the U.S. or is it uh, directed at multiple countries? Well, the uh, multiple countries are guilty of it, but the U.S. is the major uh, force there. Uh, I, look, I don't know. I haven't heard, spoken to the officials in UAE to get their take on what, what motivated their removal, but this is the speculation of people who are very thoughtful on this issue. They're very practical. You got to give them credit. They're very practical. If they feel there's a there's a, a usefulness in them being involved, they're ready to take action. But if they feel they're being abandoned, they but if they're being they abandoned send, by other partners, they're not going to take any action. And where they feel they have to send a message, uh, they do it. Right. Look, we've had good news this week at President Herzog's visit to Azerbaijan. Welcomed publicly, greeted in a Muslim majority, even Shia majority, those secular. Uh, uh, Muslim uh, uh, country, uh, and you see how Iran is reacting to the relationship with Azerbaijan, with Israel and Turkey, and making very harsh uh, attacks. You see Japan burgeoning its trade with Israel, talking about the expansive possibilities, $28 billion, I think, a year already in trade. Greece and Israel this week did joint exercises, something they do twice every year. Their air forces, including refueling and other uh, capacities uh, that, you know, those things will never get a mention anywhere. But the WHO, the World Health Organization, at the United Nations decides again to condemn one country, the one country that <laughs> sent field hospitals to the Ukraine or to Haiti or to any of the other places that treats thousands of Palestinian children, the Save a Heart, the campaign, all of these other things. You know that they, that's the only country in the world, and they passed a resolution led by Syria and the Palestinian delegation that and what does the resolution say? Does it help them? No. It says that next year WHO is, is mandated to have to have another session on it. But it's I mean, it's the most outrageous thing that a country that has raised the standards of health care. Look what Syria did. They destroyed all the hospitals the, the, in Turkey and other places and health care denied to people. And yet only Israel gets gets slandered and beat uh, um, up in, in this way. It's outrageous, but there has to be the kind of protest and and standing up to it. I think 35 countries have stayed in the vote itself was 70 to like 13 or 14. You know, you could spend your whole day, and I'm sure sometimes you feel you are, just fighting the U.N. votes. <laughs> you could spend all day just trying to set people up to try to deflect some of this, you know, blame away from Israel. 
it is a machine of anti-Israel and I would say even anti-Semitic thing. They are holding a conference in Cordoba, Spain, sponsored by the UN office uh, on anti-Semitism. But they are, in fact, a machine producing a lot and, uh, and uh, legitimizing a lot of the anti-Semitism that uh, anti-Jew hatred in the world. And it's it's, um, you know, it's really an outrageous uh, situation. And you can, you know, we could pull our funding, we could do everything, but the overwhelming vote will remain in the U.N. no matter what Israel does or even the U.S. Is the Erdogan re-election better, quote-unquote, for Israel because it maintains some type of stability in the region or or not? It, 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 no matter which candidate would have emerged victorious, uh, the situation wouldn't have been much different. So there, you have the devil you know argument. As you know, I meet every year several times a year with Erdogan. Uh, he is, uh, you know, he's not young, and he's. Uh, this is probably his latest term, though people said that over the last 20 years many times. And he, um, uh, and there are people who are saying, you know, they want to see stability because, in fact, the economy is collapsing, absolutely collapsing in Turkey. And even after the election, the currency went down even further, which is almost unimaginable. And the the uh, you what's know, unimaginable is that he could be reelected under those conditions. Well, that's my what the point of coming. But there were th- and there are three and a half million Syrian refugees. I mean, you have such an array of issues. And most of all, you know, the complaints about mishand the government mishandling the the aftermath of the terrible earthquake where they claim fifty thousand died, but everybody in Turkey talks about a hundred thousand and more. And yet he was able to win, which one shows that the opposition didn't mount the kind of campaign. The predictions were that they would win and they would have majority. And of course, as you know, there was a first vote and he got 49.43% of the vote. And now he got, he beat him by four or five points. Uh, but now I'll have to deliver it. it and, and, you know, it's not going to stabilize the situation. But frankly, if, the, if you had a change in government, it might have been even more destabilizing. Right now, Erdogan has been more friendly. I would I wouldn't yet put him across the line in which column uh, to put him, put Turkey. But obviously they've been working, and so the prime minister congratulated him, the president of Israel congratulated him uh, on his uh, election victory. Turkey is a very important country, an important player, a member of NATO, uh, and we still have an important Jewish community there. So I think right now if things can move, there is stability there. They are obviously becoming more confrontational with Iran. You see Iran's attacks on them and their cooperation with Azerbaijan and with Israel. They are still involved heavily in Syria in the war of PKK, and Iran would like to get them out, I'm sure the Russians as well. And by the way, we see the new campaign by Russia against the American presence in Syria. We have 900 troops, but we know there was a meeting last November with Iran and, and Russia with Syria. But now that there seems to be this concerted effort, at least the secret documents that were released indicate that Iran wants to go after the American presence and drive them out. And you mentioned earlier about the 85, 87 percent enrichment in regard to Iran and the uh, at this point, wouldn't it be a uh, and, and if I'm if the fact is wrong, just tell me the fact is wrong. But 
Wouldn't it be a better strategy if Israeli leaders at this point and others would just consider would, would just publicly call this irreversible, that we now have a new landscape to deal with in regard to Iran? It's no longer is there an Iran deal and are we going to allow them to get to a certain point? It's that they've gotten to this point and now we have to reset and think what we're going to how we're going to deal with it moving forward. So there are two parts to that. One is, yes, uh, that Iran is on an ine- inevitable progression towards a nuclear weapon if it's not stopped. It is not too late to stop it. And if necessary, Israel will have to take the steps to which become more and more complicated as we go along this. You know, they're building facilities underground. And there were a treasure trove of documents released uh, about Iran's nuclear program coming from internal sources, which I think are information that I know valid uh, that um, about how expansive their activities are, the drone bases that they've developed, et cetera, the capacity that they build while their people are going hungry. The economy in, in Iran is in total free fall and collapse. And the people are ready to take on themselves the additional burden if they could get rid of this, uh, um, the terrible regime. But we cannot say we accept the fact that Iran is going to be a nuclear power. This is, would be uh, so destabilizing and, and start off not only an arms race, which is probably going on now with Saudi Arabia and everybody else, UAE getting wanting to have nuclear weapons as well as you see that they, Saudi Arabia is pressing the U.S. to allow it a domestic, non-military nuclear uh, program. But they all look at it and see, look, Iran is getting away with this. And and the uh, and I gave you a hint of some of the stories that we see from from one week many things we have about Iran and its provocative actions, not only its support of Hezbollah, Hamas, everybody else said, you know, we know that they were paying, they offered to pitch $5 million for every day longer that they continued the attack against Israel uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and and you see the shifts that are taking place in the National Security Council leader in, in Iran was removed and the Omani leaders visit there and he's clearly an intermediary to the West I don't believe a new JCPOA is being worked on, but I do think that there are negotiations about some sort of an understanding, maybe release of prisoners, maybe, which will entail then again a release of money. This would be a terrible, terrible mistake. Iran needs the money, even though they're making more from the export of oil, illicit export and exporting Russian oil that's under sanctions. But the the denial to them of the these ten billion dollars or seventeen billion dollars is so critical. There can't be no there's no excuse for us to be negotiating anything that would entail the release. If, if Iran wants to show that they have a different face, let them act and, and demonstrate it. But we see what they're doing to their own people internally and what they're doing externally, threatening every interest of the United States and of every ally of the United States. It's, it's, it's unfathomable to consider that in Washington, both sides of the aisle are not sitting and fighting with the president to stop Iran. It really, it, it, it just does, it makes no sense, especially the way you just described it. The moment there will be a public admission from the U.S., Israel, or whoever's reliable, uh, that Iran's situation is completely irreversible. The moment that, that this public admission, the world's going to be in a complete panic. As you just described, the arms race will be, you know, will be on steroids at that point. Well, I don't think the administration has said that it's, it's not reversible and they have been sending envoys to the region you know, they're, they're fighting a, a very difficult battle when you're trying to keep everybody in, in line. The, the Saudis, UAE, 
others. But none are, of them would object to killing the deal. Who would object to killing the deal at this point? Uh, there is no deal right now. As I said, I don't think there's a JCPOA being negotiated now, although the negotiator has taken a lead for reasons that nobody has explained. Maybe it's personal. Maybe, you know, there's backdoor stuff going on. Uh, but the visit of the, of, uh, uh, to Oman of American officials and the reports, which we have to clarify yet, um, to, and I hope next week I will do that. Uh, the the um, you know the message that goes out is what's important. It's the perception yeah. of of where we stand and how fixed we are on on making sure that nothing is allowed to happen. It's not because U.S. isn't doing anything. U.S. troops in Syria have had some successful hits against terrorist leaders and. Right. Iraq. Right. I mean, we have so many fronts and so many situations that uh, look at look at Afghanistan now. The border with Iran, they're fighting the Iranians. There's hot fire between them across the border. It has to do with the the with water uh, rights that Iran claims against Afghanistan. Afghanistan doesn't want to give them, and you see them fighting using NATO equipment and U.S. equipment, all of which was left behind in Afghanistan. Yeah, of course. Uh, yet another terrible blunder. But this whole thing with the UAE's reaction to um, you know feeling abandoned, I, I think is really significant. And uh, and and you know it's it's really going to become a matter of whether countries in, in the Middle East. I mean, you've said this a million times. Countries in the Middle East need to know that the U.S. has their back. And um, I don't know at this point what's going to reassure them that in fact they do. But uh, why did why did the Secretary of State uh, cancel his visit to Israel? He didn't cancel a visit to Israel. He didn't cancel it? I saw that in today's... I didn't know that he had a visit scheduled. I know the First Lady, it was told that she would be busy. She's going to the Middle East. She's not visiting Israel. Uh, As far as I know, uh, I'm not sure that a visit was canceled. There are so many visits going on between Israel and the United States. Dermer and Sahya Negbi were here this week. There are so many exchanges going on. Let's not read too much into things. I mean, obviously, while the government's being in formation... For the Secretary of State to visit would not be the ideal time, but there are so many visits, and and this week I think forty or fifty members of Knesset ministers and others are visiting for the parade, for the Jerusalem Post conference, Arusheva conference, everything. I mean, we get calls every hour from another guy person who wants a meeting, and it's it's dozens. So there's a lot of interchange going on. Any of those members of Knesset specifically boycotting the parade, or nobody has said that. No, I've not heard of anybody boycotting the parade. I don't know if any of them will participate in the demonstrations at the parade. I doubt it. Uh, but uh, they cover the whole spectrum of uh, parties in the Knesset. We will see you at the parade, Mr. Honline. God willing, we'll see you at the parade. And we should uh, remember we have every reason to be optimistic. It's partially not so. We lift up leadership the heads of and means the heads of each jew that we recognize the importance of every jew so every jew has to understand their importance in the parade and in fighting the things that we just scratched the surface on. and if and if you would have, and if you would have told your grandparents that you'd be at the 75th anniversary celebration of the state of israel they would have said they would have it would be incredulous i mean obviously they died in concentration camps but they the idea, and they, but they died with the, on the words L'shana Babi Yerushalayim on their lips, and they would have appreciated it, and our, our parents would have appreciated, did appreciate it. 
but I don't know that future generations truly appreciate the privilege that we have and we take it for granted. And it's the biggest mistake you can make is when you take any of these things for granted, you can make a difference. But one of the things is to send the world a message that we stand with Israel, that the true story is not a few people who, who sit down in the streets or who hold those ridiculous signs on the, uh, the sides of the demonstration, but where 99% of the Jewish community is. Well said. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Have a great Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, with us with a weekly update Fridays here at JM and the AM. Parade is Sunday. Thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm. They are sponsoring our presentation from 5th Avenue and 65th Street in Manhattan. Parade starts at 11 a.m. on 5th Avenue from 57th to 74th Street. Come on out with your friends, your family, your children, your grandchildren, your parents, your grandparents, and fill the sidewalks in celebrating Israel's 75th anniversary this coming Sunday in New York City. The weather looks like it will be spectacular. Uh, but no matter what the weather is, make sure you're out there to support Israel. This time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Nosso. According to the Chinuch, Nosso contains eight mitzvot, seven positive and eleven restrictions. By the way, keep in mind, last Shabbos was the second day of Shavuos for us. Last Shabbos was Parshas Nosso for Eretz Yisrael, having had one day of Shavuos last Friday. So, we are at the moment a week behind Eretz Yisrael, and I can only say that we have, wow, the energy of Shavuos with us. And please God, let's hope that that energy, as we'll talk about, please God, at the end, should keep us going and on a high. Okay, I'd like to speak a little bit about the Nazir, right? And the Nazir is the individual who, as we know, takes upon himself three restrictions. But before we even get to the restrictions, let's talk about what the term Nazir means. So if you look in the Ibn Ezra, at the very beginning of Parshas Nazir, this is chapter 6, and the Ibn Ezra says, what does it mean? First of all, Ish Ki Yafli. When the Torah introduces the mitzvah of Nazir. So the Torah says a man or woman who shall yafli literally take a vow. Now what's this vow of? Lindor neder Hashem. The yafli is something of a wonder, a pella. Like, forgive me, the bracha we recite each time we're privileged to have our healthy body use the bathroom. It's a wonder. So here, it's a wonder, this person who takes a neder of abstinence, now, lazir, for the purpose of, and he's motivated by, 
Hashem, for the sake of Hashem. So he tells us, number one, that the term Nezer can mean either a crown, and therefore the Nazir becomes someone who is worthy of wearing a crown. Why? Ki rov olam says the Eben Ezra, holchim achar ta'avasam. Most people go after their natural desires and appetites. Here, this person is abstaining from wine, number one, cutting his hair, number two, which means that he's not going to, quote, look so good. And finally, he's not going to come in contact or under the same roof as a dead body. So, on the one hand, listen carefully, says and continues the Eben Ezra that Nazir is Nodar Leos Nazir. What does that mean? That he has taken upon himself this idea of being a Nazir, which means to abstain. And he brings from Parshas Emor, where the Torah tells us that Aaron and his children, when they are in a state of tumor, in a state of impurity, so they are to distance themselves from the korbanos. Listen to the language. The Nazru Mikotche B'nai Yisrael. They shall withdraw from the holiness, meaning from the korbanos, at the time of their impurity. And earlier, at the end of Parshas Mitzora, in the Maftir, chapter 15, verse 31, Vizarate, the same root as Nazir, as B'nai Yisrael, Mitumosam, separate the children of Israel from their, con- from their contamination. So on the one hand, Nazirus means to separate. On the other hand, it means a crown. And basically, the two go very well together. He, she, because a Nazir is a male, and a woman can be a Nazira. So he or she who abstain for the sake of God, giving something up, that's worthy of wearing a crown. Wow, we respect that person. That person is put on that kind of pedestal. Now, note, we know that there are three, as we mentioned earlier, restrictions for the uh, Nazir. The Yayin, which is one, this is found back, once again, in chapter 6 of Bamidbar, verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 3, Yayin Meshech or Yazir, okay, from either new or aged wine, he shall abstain, and Next, the Torah tells us in verse 5, Kol Yimei Neder Nizro, and by the way, the minimum nausea is 30 days. He could take it on for longer. But now during this time, Ta'ar Lo Yavor Al Rosho, he's not to cut his hair, okay? Now, during this time, okay, Kadoshiyeh, 
Gadil Pera Sa'arosho. He should be, quote, holy. And as we know, Kedusha is to abstain. Then we're told, Aviv Ulimo He's not to come in contact with the dead. Kinezer Elokov Al Rosho. Ah, because the literally crown of God is on his head. Now that's said after the part that he can't come into contact with the dead. So think about it very quickly. The first two are a fulfillment of the abstaining. Abstaining from wine, abstaining from cutting his hair. The third part, by not um, coming in contact with the dead, he's like a Kohen. There's an elevation in him. And therefore, at that point, the Torah says, Whoa, Nazar, the crown of God is upon him. So now we have to ask a very basic question. Being a Nazir, is it quote-unquote good or is it bad? So first of all, there's a very famous Mahalukas between the Rambam and Ramban on this very point. What is the basis of the Mahalukas? At the end of his or her Nizirus, the Torah says they are to bring various korbanos and one of the korbanos that the Nazir brings at the conclusion of their Nizirus is a korban chatos, a sin offering. Now, the question is, this is found in Pasuk Yodalim, why? What did the Nazir do to deserve and have to bring a sin offering? So fascinating, the Rambam writes, excuse me, are there not sufficient restrictions in the Torah? Are there not sufficient prohibitions that this man or woman had to go and add more so because they restricted themselves from God's beautiful world and the bounty that he has given us that in of itself smacks of a negativity and therefore they are to bring a korban chatos a sin offering the idea that we are to enjoy life we are not to abstain comes along the Ramban and says, excuse me, this person took upon themselves a kind, not a kind of, restrictions for the sake of God, and therefore holding a more personal, accountable relationship with Hashem. When do they bring the Korban Chatos? At the end of their Nazirus, how dare you go back? You were on a high level, and now you shouldn't go back. So that is the reason for the chatos according to the Ramban. The Rambam says, as we pointed out differently, so is it good, is it not good? It depends on the person, on the time, on the circumstances. And now, let's move on to a very famous, important Rashi, whereby the Torah tells us that the parsha of Zerus is found right next to the chapter dealing with the Sota, the suspected adulteress. So Rashi says at the beginning of chapter 6, verse 2, Lomonismacha, quoting from the Gemara Sota, Lomonismacha, 
Parshas Nazir and the Parshas Sota. Why is the chapter of the Nazir juxtaposed, put immediately following that of the Sota? Lomalach comes to teach us, whoever actually sees the Sota literally in her state of Kilkula, of her being literally I'll use demolished but that's a very general term physically uh, socially in every which way he sees the Soto in this state Yazir Atzmo he's too wait a minute he sees this and he realizes as Rashi continues Sheyayin Mevi Lideniyof because drinking wine in the wrong place with the wrong people can bring to Neof immorality. Therefore, one who sees the, the Sota has to tell themselves, oh no, this won't happen to me. And the way he makes sure it doesn't happen to him is by becoming a Nazir. Now one could ask the obvious question, if they saw it, wouldn't that be enough of a deterrent? And the Torah is teaching us a very significant point, and that is an individual can undergo an, ex- an exceptional spiritual high. The spiritual high could be a, a kumzitz. The spiritual high could be an uplifting shear, could be an uplifting drasha. You were inspired by your rabbi's talk on Shabbos. Now what? After a while, unfortunately, it dissipates. After a while, the high that you're on, you're up all night, Shavuos, night learning. Wow! What are we going to do to, quote, concretize this? Because as we can see from the Torah, wow! Could you imagine what Kriyas Yamsuf was like? And yet, Three days later, after Kriyas Yamsuf, what does the Torah tell us? Ouch! That the people are, for lack of a better way of saying it, I don't want to use the word bellyaching, but they certainly are complaining. Okay? Now, the idea is, you and I, and it's very easy for you and I to say this, that after all, you know, we sit, we cross our legs, we talk, and we say, how could they not have been so inspired that having seen and personally experienced Kriyas Yamsuf, the last thing you'd expect is chapter 16, verse 2, the entire assembly of the children of Israel complained against Moshe and Aaron. And what do they say? Amazing. If only we had died in the land of Egypt as we sat by the pot of meat when we ate bread to satisfy for you have taken us to this desert to kill us by famine now wait a minute it's easy for us to say couldn't they have just a little bit more faith do you think Hashem would have split the sea for them come on and not provide for them did he not tell Moshe there would be a Maimar Sinai how could they not have faith and trust in God. So it's very easy for us to say that about them. 
but the answer that we see from this is that being on a great high requires that you do something to keep it coming. The Soto makes a great impression, but what do you have to do? You have to do something like a Nazir. So, let's think very quickly. Shavuos is just behind us, and we need to concretize, to keep it going, there's something special from Shavuos. We read the now Torah Avuda Gemilas Chasadim. We were up all night studying Torah. Listen carefully. How do you keep it going, my friends? I don't know what you listen to when you're in your car, but I can only tell you what I listen to when I'm in my car. It just so happens whether you go to YU Torah, OU Torah. And I don't mean to offend anybody for not including their favorite Torah. But there is so much Torah out there that I wish it upon you that you say, Wow, how fortunate I was. I was, quote, stuck in traffic. And therefore, I was able to enjoy another segment of the Shear. Think about that. You'll keep Shavuos going. Plug your uh, phone in such a way that you will be able to hear Torah when you drive. Avoda, take away from Shavuos how important the Tehillim of Tavar Melech are. The late Rav Pinkas said that a parak of Tehillim is like dynamite under a building. We don't realize the power. Say it slowly, one a day, if not more, but say it slowly, say it with Kavana, connect with Dovra Melech. And finally, Chesed. We read the book of Rus because she was completely Gomelis Chesed. That we should try to find ways before you go to shop. Make a phone call to someone who is a shut in. They can't go. What can I buy you? Just the call, but mean it, mean it, because they might surprise you and say, okay, I need X, Y, and Z. Be prepared to do it. But what a s'chus. You're going to uplift the mitzvah of going for taking care of just yourself, your family, but taking care of this additional person. Number one. Number two, try to be creative in your chesed. What can I do for this person that's going to give them a lift to cheer them up? Wow. This is taking Shavuos with us. May we be Zohar to learn the positive inspiration from the Torah. Shavuos, which was such a high for Klai Yisrael. Think about it. All over the world, the Jews were up studying Torah. How many thousands came to the Kotel and Ms. Palil at the Kotel. Ashrenu Matuf Halkenu. Let's stay on the bandwagon and let's keep Shavuos going. Please, God, keep us till the next Yom Tov. Shabbat Shalom to all.
העולם כבר מוכן, זה לא סתם שכולם מנסים את הרעב להשגיח. לא רעב של הגוף, רק לראות את פניו, את אורו של מלך המשיח. מה צריך עוד פוש קטן להוקן? אז נקרא בקור קטור לב אחד, מלוקד פה לעד, מלאך עליון, מלאכי השלום, אנא הרמו בתפילה, אמרו לפניו ישראל עמך, כולם מבקשים גאולה, מלאך עליון, מלאכי השלום, קירבו נעל רגלי השכינה, השמיעו תפילה. שנים מחכים, מצפים, שואלים, מתי כבר פדותנו תצמיח? מאמינים, ממתינים, לא נופלים, מתרגשים, מריחים כבר את ימות המשיח. רק צריך עוד פוש קטן Ellie Mark is brand new with Malachi Elyon. Before that, you heard uh, Shiduchim. That's the name of the album with O.G. Shama. You're listening to J.M. and the A.M. Good morning, everybody. Uh, let's see. This coming Sunday, it's the Celebrate Israel Parade in New York City. Make sure to be there. 70, uh, uh, excuse me, 5th Avenue between 57th and 74th Streets in New York. We celebrate the 75th birthday of the State of Israel. Uh, big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. We broadcast from 65th Street and 5th, courtesy of the Rothenberg Law Firm. And a big thank you to the entire Rothenberg family from all of us here at JM in the AM. Certainly looking forward to a Sunday and seeing everybody on 5th Avenue. Come, bring your parents, your grandparents, bring your children, your grandchildren, bring them all. Bring everybody. <laughs> and get ready to celebrate uh, together on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Candle lighting at 801 on this era of Shabbos in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, in New York, 801 is the uh, official candle lighting time in New York City. 
Uh, so keep that in mind. And um, amazing weekend programming, as you would expect, including our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show. Um, presented by, or I should say hosted by Mark Zomik. That show, by the way, the Erev Shabbos show, is available on the 24-6 app. So in addition to our own app, of course, where you could access it, check out the archive, the Erev Shabbos show, etc. Plus, it airs at 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning. In addition to that, uh, those of you who are 24-6 uh, customers, and I know that, and that number continues to grow and grow, those of you who are 24-6 customers, I will tell you that um, that show, the Erev Shabbos show, hosted by Mark Zomik, presented by Kedem, is now available on the 24-6 app. So keep that in mind and um, and uh, tune into it as much as you can. You'll be glad you did that, I can tell you. You'll certainly be glad you did. More coming up here at JM in the AM as uh, we continue with this brand new one from A.B. Rottenberg and Sholem Lemmer. Take a close look at myself And the face that I see Looking right back at me Wishes it was someone else But there is only one you A fragment of light from above that would joyfully serve and cling to Hashem If only it knew the depth of His love Time to leave your cocoon, my dear butterfly Show yourself and the world just how very high You can fly, you can soar you unlock the door and Hashem will be there at your side and Hashem will be there at your But it's more a lament than a song I'm so used to the pain of its tragic refrain That whispers you don't belong But there is only one you And a shaman most precious and sweet our lives are a chorus in praise of Hashem. Song entitled Your Butterfly, brand new from A.B. Rottenberg and Shalom Lemmer here at JM in the AM. 
Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world of web and alchemsegal.com on the Alchemsegal Network, and of course, the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday, an amazing week for us here at JMNAM, and I thank all of you for tuning in and making it possible. Sunday is a Celebrate Israel Parade. Join us on Fifth Avenue in New York City, everybody. Broadcasting courtesy of our friends at the Rothenberg Law Firm. Happens at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, that'll be uh, on Sunday on NahumSiegel.com and, of course, the audio on the NSN app. Coming up next, it is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman with uh, the founder of Upstate Vodka, the cheese guy Brent Delman, and Elizabeth Mandelbaum, co-author of the art score release plated a curated dining experience all guests of naomi nachman next then of course the arab shabbos show with mark zamek brought to you by the wonderful people at kedem a fabulous shabbos wonderful weekend until sunday at the parade and monday here nachum single reminding you remember the past live the present and trust the future